Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. All right, guys, welcome to episode 50. We're at episode 50 of the Tactical Yanks podcast. Am I right? Or is this still episode 59? Let me double check. I am but not I think- sure. It, it, we made it far enough. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is episode 50. Welcome to episode 50, guys, of the Tactical Yanks podcast. We probably wouldn't have kept this podcast going if people weren't listening. So thank you so much for everybody who's tuned in, who's given us ratings and reviews. We appreciate it. We have a couple of interesting things to talk about today, Tac. Um, The first one is rumors coming out that Apple is reportedly, quote, very worried about the amount of MLS season pass subscribers sold to start the season. According to sources, they have met just 40% of their initial projection. And this comes from MLS Gone Wild on Twitter. They are a podcast that covers MLS that isn't an anti-MLS podcast by any means. In fact, they want MLS to do well. This is coming from them. We don't know how reliable this source is, but we thought we would talk about the issue at hand a little bit and see, could it be true? Could it be true that subscriptions to season pass are less than Apple had hoped for? And if so, why? And then beyond that, what can MLS do? What can MLS and Apple do about that? Tack, what are your thoughts? I've talked to MLS Gone Wild before. I'm not questioning him. We just don't know his source. So it could be a lie. Nevertheless, you don't have to be a genius to connect the dots and know that many people are not signing up, right? Season uh, season ticket holders, they got it for free. And those are the diehards. Those are the ones that would sign up. So they got it for free. Everyone with T-Mobile got it for free. So me, you, for example, we got it for free. Uh, And then outside of that, there's like well, they the also guy- gave a lot of free passes to influencers, to the media, to anybody who normally watches MLS and talks about it. Even if you're an not independent podcast, not to us, not to us. No, we were not <laughs> offered a free subscription. We got one anyways. But I know a lot of guys got you know, like if you cover an MLS club, let's say you have a Chicago Fire podcast. I know some friends who actually got it for free because they cover them. So you're talking about all the diehards pretty much getting it for free, whether you're a season ticket holder or an independent media coverage. Yeah, I want to add one thing here, Pete, because 
a couple months ago, I did a, a poll on Twitter that got 17 or 18,000 votes, which is a decent sample size. Decent. Yeah. I wouldn't say perfect, but close enough. And that poll, I asked everyone, and most of our followers, me and you, they're all U.S. men's national team fans, or if not, like 90% of them are, asking them how often they watch MLS. And the options were diehard, casual, occasionally, and there's like never watch. 25% right. roughly said they never watched, which okay. is already quite alarming. But then I made a poll today. There's still 20 hours left in this poll, so there's going to be more votes. But here's the poll. I asked, "Who are you subscribed to MLS on Apple TV? And then I asked everyone to just respond if you are a U.S. soccer fan or a soccer fan in the United States, to which 51.4% so far said no. So let's put this into perspective real quick. My account did a poll a couple months ago. 25% of the people following me, or roughly that, said they never watch it. But when I asked who subscribed to Apple, it's at 51%. That means there's a good amount of people right there that maybe used to watch MLS, but just said, I'm not signing up. I don't feel like paying for it. Right. Uh, of course, we want to wait for this poll to end. Maybe it can change, but there's already 5,000 votes. Let's say we get to 15,000, 17,000, just like the last one, which it might it's still going to be much higher, the number of no's. It's going to be higher than the ones of never watch, right, from the previous poll. So that's just a tiny little indication that, yes, MLS probably lost some viewers with this transition behind the paywall or technically behind two paywalls, maybe. I don't know if you agree with this, Pete. Uh, people go on and say it's too expensive, right, to pay for. And, and sure, I, I think for what MLS is in terms of popularity, quality, what they offer, I think it is kind of expensive what they're charging for a league that's trying to grow. But let's say they cut the price in half. Okay, they cut it in half. Do we really think the amount of people that are going to sign up because of that move will be significant? I mean, I could, I'm speculating here. I personally don't think it is. And I'll tell you one thing. Um, regardless of you liking the sport or not, right? For example, there's the NBA, and I like the NBA. And then there's the NBA D-League. Right. Let's say they put the D League behind a paywall and then they cut the price in half. I'm still not going to sign up for the D League. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I think so you have to remember that soccer, well, not soccer, MLS is a niche product, right? There's no other way to describe it. It's a very niche product in the United States. Niche products tend to do well with diehards. Diehards who are, absolutely love your product will almost pay whatever in order to get that product. Okay. But the problem with niche products is if you're not a diehard, there's zero to little interest at all. And so U.S. soccer in general has always been on the train of fleece the diehards, right? That's why they charged, they bragged about charging, you know, more for U.S. soccer tickets and making more money despite having less attendance. So they're more interested in the diehards. They want to fleece the diehards for as much money as possible rather than broaden their tents and bring in as many people as possible by bringing down prices or making things more accessible. And reality is you also have to have an Apple TV, right? You have to have Apple TV in order to get MLS season pass. So there's two paywalls that you're behind. You have to really, really love. No, you can get it. You can get it without it, but it's more expensive. It increases. Oh, the price. Okay. Yeah. So, but to get it at that price, I'm saying you, you, there's yeah. two paywalls. So I just think that this is a problem 
And we don't know how true this is, but I think it's very possible that not enough people are signing up. And, you know, before you got, you know, you MLS was on ESPN plus, right? So if you were signed up to ESPN plus, you already got the Bundesliga, La Liga, you got the FA Cup, you got, you know, certain other sports, other other sports. sports, tons of other sports, you know, so it was just like an addition. But now you have to put this money into just buying MLS. And I'm sure not enough people are doing it, particularly because all the diehards got it for free. What if we talk about what can MLS do? What can MLS and Apple do about this? Because we talked about dropping prices, and I agree with you. I don't think dropping prices is going to help necessarily. I think you have to motivate people to pay the price. you know. And I think that's a bigger topic. And there's a lot, in my opinion, there's a lot that MLS can do. Because people have to take you seriously, right? To get um, passionate about your league. You know, you know, when I talked about the poll and I said that there's definitely an amount of fans that used to watch MLS but stopped ever since they went to Apple. Yeah. I think dropping the price might get some of those back, but that is also just a small amount. That's not gonna be something wasting. So I guess dropping the price is a good way to bring back some of those people. It, it won't hurt if you're if your goal is popularity, but more has to be done. If you drop the price, the problem will still be there. Um, Again, we don't know how reliable the source was to MLS has gone wild. 40% is actually very bad. My other question here too, Pete, is not, sure, let's say it is at 40% of what they projected. MLS is such a tiny little part of Apple, like so tiny, so tiny, almost insignificant. No disrespect to MLS, just shows how big Apple is, right? Yeah. Um, does Apple care that much or MLS is just like one of their toys where they're testing to go for maybe some big leagues or big sporting leagues, whatever they want. So I don't know, like the whole thing of the rumors of Apple having a clause to opt out. I don't know how much Apple would care. It's not that much money for them, right? It's like $2.5 billion across 10 years. Which, sure, it's a lot for me and you, but Apple is worth $3 trillion. What is that in 10 years? That's like nothing for them. So maybe Apple doesn't care as much, so they'll just go through with it. Because I think if Apple pulls the plug here and opt out, it will be a catastrophe for MLS. I don't like oh, yeah. MLS will be forced to either fold, make drastic changes, or just completely stagnate forever. Just like it is a game changer if Apple just pulls out. Um, I don't think that will happen. That's the thing. Um, but no. the question is, but the at question the same is, time. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead first. I'm, I'm going to get a sip of coffee here. Even if MLS, even if Apple doesn't drop out, you're always worried about that next deal. And you're always worried about doing well for your partners, right? Because reality is, if you want MLS to be long, viably long-term, long-term, viable long-term, you have to be able to point to success stories. And this idea that the World Cup is going to, you know, in 2026 is going to make MLS boom, I'm not so sure that it is. I think that like in America, it'll be like soccer has always been in America, a big event that people will pay attention to and maybe get more eyeballs on the American players. Now, listen, if your league had all the American, the USMNT boys playing in it, it might do something for MLS because now your hero, Christian Pulisic or Gio Reyna or Weston McKinney, who you saw score that amazing goal, Oh, he plays for my lo- local club. Oh, I'm going to become a season ticket holder. I'm going to check it out on TV. But when you tune in and you go, oh, Darlington Nagby 
plays for my local club. Oh, what about all these other guys? Oh, they all play in, in Europe, which believe me, by 2026, the entire national team, the entire roster probably is going to be in Europe. It almost already is, Pete. Yes. So, and, and let's be honest, look at the last roster. Nine guys were there from MLS. Some of them shouldn't have been there, right? Jesus Ferreira shouldn't have been there. Shaq Moore shouldn't have been Rodan. there. Rodan Morris shouldn't have been there. That's at least four off the top of your head that you go, should not have been there. So five. You forgot Aaron Long, Pete. You forgot Aaron Long. Oh, yeah, Aaron Long. So that's five out of the nine definitely shouldn't have been there. Acosta and Zimmerman, okay, they they were fine to be there. Yedlin, I guess, kind of made sense as the third right back, right, if you want to go that direction. But those are really the only three guys. Sean Johnson would have been the fourth, which you could argue Sean Johnson versus Zach Steffen. People have different points of view, but he's, he didn't play. So, but back to my original point, in 2026, none of the World Cup USMNT stars are going to be in MLS, not one. So why would it help to grow MLS? By getting people interested in soccer? Maybe. But if your entry point to soccer was an amazing game between Argentina and Brazil that you saw live in person in Dallas, and then you want to go see FC Dallas play, and their best player is... Jesus Ferreira, you're going to go, oh, this is different. You know what I mean? So look, there's it might be 2% increase in growth after 2026, but certainly not enough. I just did the math here. For Apple to recoup the money that they made off of this deal, to, or that they put into this deal, $250 million a year, do you know how many people would have to sign up for season pass? Mm, how many? At $79 a year, 3.16 million people. I promise you, 3.16 million Americans are not signing up for MLS season pass. Well, they don't have that in views. People don't watch that. No. The views were averaging, last season they were averaging between one and 200,000. And that's free views on Fox or Univision. Those are free so, views. So it's probably lower. I, I, look, the, the whole thing is the World Cup. I don't see it helping MLS grow much. because the, Here's the problem. And I talked about this with actually that guy, Eli, from This Week in MLS. I'm having a bit of a debate with him in a video. And I think the biggest mistake with MLS is I would love for MLS to convert many casual sports fans into soccer. I'd love that. If that's their goal, that's great. But they should be focusing on converting soccer fans in the United States into MLS fans. Right. I agree. That's what they should be going for. But that's not what they're going for. Like what you're saying, what they're going to be able to get is they're going to be able to get um, casual sports fans that are going to go watch the World Cup because it's a big event. And they're going to, whoa, this was a good time. I kind of want to follow soccer more. Then, sure, some of them might stick around and watch MLS because they just want to be involved with it. And that's cool. The problem is that's not who they should be going for. They should be going for the diehard soccer fans in this country, which there are many. Right. There's enough to make this a big league. And that'll be the way. The problem is converting these diehard soccer fans is tough because you have to actually earn it. Right. Yeah. You have to earn it. That one, they can just literally get someone that doesn't really care much about. It's not very passionate about soccer, just enjoys the vibes, just likes going to the game, seeing that that's different. Well, also, here's the thing. If you're especially if you're trying to convert them to become a season pass holder, ticket holder. Right. They can watch the best soccer in the world on TV. MLS's draw is you can come watch a soccer game in person in your city, right? That's the draw for MLS. If you live in mm -hmm. Nashville and you're a Liverpool fan and you get up early in the morning and you, you, okay, so Chicago, I don't know how many cities have this, probably a lot. They have soccer bars. So like a Man U bar, a Chelsea bar, 
And every Saturday morning, it's packed with soccer fans supporting their club, right? Americans watching Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United, whoever, and Champions League. They can already go. If they want something different, a live in-game experience, they can go to watch the Chicago Fire play. I don't recommend it, but (laughs) I did it for three years. So why would they then watch MLS on TV over a PSG versus Bayern Munich in the Champions League? It's the same experience. It's a TV experience, except the quality is so much better. The star power is so much better. The stakes are so much higher. The storylines are better. Their storylines story are, are better. How do you convert them to become diehard MLS fans that will pay? Let me ask you right now, if you were the commissioner of MLS, what is the number one thing you could do in order to take to get soccer fans in America to take MLS seriously? I would do so it would have to be very slow. Okay. It wouldn't be one season or another. Uh I would open the pyramid. I think that's the first yeah, thing. That's I think I is would, number one. I would keep the salary cap, but I would increase it. I would still keep it. I don't want our league to become necessarily like Europe is to a certain extent. Yeah. So I'd like to keep a salary cap much higher. Uh and the way the pyramid would have to work is you probably have to divide it in two conferences two different conferences and, and and pretty much what would happen was you have the whole divisions on one side, the other divisions on the other side. And we have like an ultimate Super Bowl of like the champions of each conference facing each other in one match every year. But mainly it would just be a league and the other cup would just be the U.S. Open Cup. There'd just be a league. That's literally it. And then the number one of each league uh, goes to this so-called Super Bowl event or maybe you get top four. And then yeah, I would say to- top four from each conference go into the playoffs. Yeah, something like that. And and for relegation, I wouldn't really relegate the bottom two. What I would do is I would probably do like the bottom four of each conference. You when the season's over, you put them all in a group and just have them play each other uh for points. Relegation and, playoffs. Relegation playoffs, which is a group, and that'll make it extra fun and they have something to fight for. And in the other hand, you have the lower divisions that teams that are from smaller cities or smaller markets battling to get up and get that money and get better and invest in their academy. There'll be excitement, and I think the communities will embrace it more because I, I I told this to many MLS fans that we're casual sports fans and they don't understand the soccer culture in other countries and why there's so much passion. It's because most of the teams are built by the community and there's some level of at- attachment to it besides the fact of like it's more than just winning a soccer game. That's the thing. Well, in MLS, it's really just that. It's like, I want to win a trophy. I want to win the MLS Cup. That's it. But why? I just want to win it, right? I just want to win it. Yeah. It doesn't matter for the community. It doesn't feel like your club. It feels like a franchise owned by a billionaire. And doesn't feel like there's as much attachment. You don't feel like you're a part of it. That's the difference. Uh, you go to different countries. And uh, I mean, I'm sure some people that are in this, listening to this podcast have lived through this. I've lived through it a lot. That's how I grew up watching soccer. And you really live it with your community. It's it's quite remarkable too. Um, everyone feels it. Obviously, some people don't care. It's not like you go to Brazil, for example, and everyone cares about soccer. But it's kind of different. And here in the United States, you go to a game, you win. It's like hooray. You lose, okay, like whatever. I'm not saying you have to you go crazy pretzels. for the sport. What? I said if you lose, you go get some pretzels and you go home and you're fine. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, I'm fine with the way it is here in the U.S. I think it's very enjoyable for families. If you want to bring kids, there's not like those crazy people that invade the pitch to attack the players. And that is there are aspects of MLS that I truly appreciate that it's different. I feel safer going to an MLS game that I go in Brazil 
right? I go to a game for Palmeiras in Rio away. I couldn't wear a Palmeiras jersey. I can do yeah. this in MLS and I'll be fine. Like I couldn't, and it, it's not that I couldn't wear it because I was scared. It's because if I wore it, they would beat me up that literally. So, um, yeah. So there's aspects to it that I appreciate in MLS, but I think what they don't understand is like you have to draw attention and people to care. There has to be some type of emotional connection for that person to care. And that is why the U.S. men's national team has a stronger fan base than than MLS franchises, simply because it's our country. The only reason we care about the U.S. men's national team is because those guys are representing the country. So we feel like we're a part of it. We feel like we're being represented. When Orlando yeah. City plays, I'm here from Orlando. I didn't grow up here, but I feel like I'm a part of Orlando. But I don't feel like I'm a part of Orlando City. The kids here don't feel that way. And for many MLS franchises, it's very similar. And some of them might not agree with me because they're new franchises and there's there's that new franchise hype. I hope Austin continues that passion that I saw. That was one of the very few MLS games that I've been to that I'm like, holy crap, this fan base is wonderful. I had a great time. Uh, but most of them are not. Like you see the New York ones, it's quite disappointing. Um, some of them keep it. Atlanta to a certain – actually, Atlanta kept it up very well, if I'm being completely honest. But many of them haven't. So – it's about building that. And for you to build that, you need people to care about it. Um, and I think even if you sign the best players in the world, you still have to find a way to get people to care about it. Storylines, attachment to the community, many different things. It's not that easy and it takes a, a while, but it requires drastic changes, which MLS is not willing to do. Yeah, I want to I wanna talk about two words that I think are very connected to an emotional connection. One is hope and one is fear. I think that hope and fear are, are, they play very strong roles as emotions in soccer fandom. The hope that you could get promoted into the top league, the hope that you could qualify for the playoffs, the hope that you could win a trophy this year, and then fear, the fear of relegation. There is no fear in MLS. Nobody fears anything. Your biggest fear is what? That you don't make the playoffs, that you finish bottom of the league, bottom of the conference, and then what? Oh, we go, we'll try again next year. There's no fear, but fear of relegation and the hope in the lower leagues of a New Mexico United or a Sacramento or a Ford Madison or anybody getting into that top league that would revitalize soccer in these second tier cities. It would revitalize because now you have a hope, you're, you have a dream, you have something that you're passionate about that you're, and then you get close this year. Oh, we made it to the playoffs to get promoted and we didn't quite make it. We lost in the final and it sucked for a whole week. I was at home and I was depressed, but this year is going to be our year. And that hope breeds passion. And then when you make it, you remember the bad times and all that you went through. And it's a big crest of emotion that I think would do so well, not just for MLS, because when people talk about soccer in this country, they pretty much only talk about MLS. I'm talking about three, four, five, six divisions of teams that all want to get up. I want to get promoted to the third division and then the fourth division. And then you inspire investors, right? There is no reason why Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds couldn't buy Ford Madison and put $3 million a year, which is what they're putting into Wrexham to try to get them promoted into MLS. And that would be the same interesting story, I think. Pete, imagine if the New York Cosmos, that are a global brand, by the way, people know it and know them in multiple countries. They were like in the fifth division and investing money and make like a documentary or story about it. People would watch that. The New York Cosmos of, of Pele and many other legends. It's not just that, too. Like when you add the promotion, relegation, the fear in the bottom, uh, one thing that can happen 
is right now in MLS, when a team is just crap for multiple years, fans just kind of tune out. They just tune out. And then it's very hard to gain them back. If there is promotion relegation and people are very passionate about that team, they're going to demand more. Or they're going to get relegated. They're going to embrace the cause and, and try to support the team to get back. Sure, some teams are just going to lose it, and that's the team's problem. They need to figure it out to stay connected to their community, invest better. I think, I think what mainly happens is we live in the United States, right? And in the United States, we always talked about how we became the country we are because, you know, free market and competition and, you know, they like to push like capitalism and all that. And I'm not even getting into politics here, okay, before anyone thinks of that. This is not what we're getting into. But what I'm saying is MLS is like completely against. It's very anti-American, the structure of American sports in general. It's very anti-American. Oh, I agree. I agree. Uh, there's no comp like there's no consequence. Like when you think of like a free market competition, it's like, Pete, you have a shit company. You're going to go bankrupt. You lose. In MLS, if you have a shit management and you're in last place, hey, don't worry, buddy. You got next year. You'll get them next time. That's not what the United States is supposed to be about, right? So when we talk about being American League, maybe we should become an American League. Actually, one of the very few, like because American sports structure works that way because we have these rich guys, these oligarchs in power that just kind of like play around with it and do whatever they want. And it kind of works with the other sports because they monopolized it and we're the best in the world at it and the richest league because also most of the world doesn't care as much. Like no one else plays football, NFL. No one plays it, so we can only be the number one. Um, basketball, others do play. And I even watched a video that a viewer sent the other day of how Europeans are catching up to the NBA, not in terms of money. They're starting to develop players. And you look at players, um, Antekotonvo, he's Greek, right? Dantic, he's also from, I think, Serbia, from Europe. Jokic, another one. So they're starting to catch up. And 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 it's not because of promotional game, but I'm just saying that it doesn't mean our sport, our sports, the structure we make, it's better for owners to make money. I would never argue that. That is 100% yeah. true. But again, it's um, a very much nice as portfolio on your profile, right? You can show yeah. a loss for taxes every year. If you're a multi-billionaire, there's no incentive though, for you to actually do anything with your team. In MLS, NFL and NBA, they make bank, right? They make yeah, real yeah, those money. guys. Um, but again, um, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not against the whole Amer like American sports structure. I just think that um, it does like get tiring. I'm even I, I I I'm watching less and less NBA over the years. I'm tired of it. Like I'm I got a little tired. So I don't know. Um, I know the audience as a whole hasn't really gone down. That's more just me. But at the same time, didn't the NBA commissioner even talk about this a few years back? How he was trying to restructure the regular season because people weren't watching as much. He was talking about things like that, having like a midseason tournament. That was the NBA commissioner saying. Uh, so I think it is like people do lose interest over time. But again, um, I think we're talking about this too much. I don't think Apple's going to pull the plug on MLS, but um, those numbers should be alarming if, it, if they're true. Yeah. Uh, I want to say so, one last thing before we move on from this topic. Yeah. Our friend uh, and good friend, MLS Buzz, put a tweet out the other day amid reports that Everton might go into administration if they get relegated. And his tweet essentially said, is this what I'm supposed to want in America? Now, we had MLS Buzz on the podcast. I love him. I think he covers the league very well. I think he makes a lot of interesting points. And for the most part, I think he's pretty fair and balanced. I will say, though, that A, 
160 clubs in America have gone, uh, have lost their status. They've literally gone bankrupt in the last, I think, five years. Okay. We can't just look at soccer in America from an MLS perspective. We have to look at it from the overall, number one. Number two, I think the reason that club, clubs go broke is actually nothing to do with promotion relegation. Like, I think no, that it has, it has a lot more to do with financial mis mismanagement and bloated salaries. I think a salary cap can be necessary and important so that you don't have too many super clubs and you don't have oligarchs buying up clubs and spending a hundred million on Mudrich or whatever, like Mudrik, Mudrik. Yeah, you I think can spend hundred million on Modric. Modric would be good. Modric, Modric would be a good one. Yes, Modric not so much. But I think that a salary cap is necessary, like you you said earlier. I think a bigger salary cap and less salary roster rules. So bring the salary cap up to thirty million, but don't restrict how you can spend that money. Don't say you need three DPS, this amount of Tam Gam Wham players, this U twenty two DP. I think it's too restrictive. And I think it restricts the quality on the field in favor of, you know, washed out stars that actually don't really benefit the league that much unless their name is Lionel Messi. So I don't think that promotion relegation is the big bad bogeyman that everybody thinks it is. I think it's financial mismanagement in Europe. And I think that it's also um, ballooning salaries and costs, which is easily a way to artificially put a ceiling on by just setting a salary cap. Also, it creates a form of equity while still keeping the hope and fear of, of relegation and promotion, right? The, the, the Everton example is also very stupid. No offense to MLS Buzz, and we can maybe even bring him along because he's great to discuss. The Everton example is just silly because they're not going to fold. They're not going to disappear. It's just going to come another investor, buy them up. They'll be fine. Like, sure, maybe they'll Probably be an American. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not like he's acting as if Everton's going to cease to exist. Well, I don't know if he remembers. It wasn't that long ago where Chivas USA was here. They're not here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So well, that's what that's the, Yeah. So again, it's just a silly example to try to like, oh, it's promotion relegations falls. Like it happened here too. Also, Everton's not going to cease to exist. They'll still be no. there. They'll be fine. Yeah. They're making a new stadium. Yeah, um, they're, they're literally making. They're, they'll be one hundred percent fine. And sometimes the clubs do that drama. And there's nothing that's going to happen. So not going to read into it too much. But let's go through a quick word from our sponsor. And that is DraftKings Sportsbook. Ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 from college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code TBPN. That is TBPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, win or lose. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code TBPN. Once again, use the code TBPN. That is DraftKings Sportsbook. Thank you very much for sponsoring today's podcast once again. So, Pete, last segment of this episode, uh, we're going to, there's a U.S. men's national team camp coming up in two weeks. The roster is supposed to be out next week. At some point, I don't know when, the United States will play a random friendly with Mexico. I believe it's April seventeenth, mid season in Europe, mid season in 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 um, MLS. Not a FIFA window. Players are going to have to get released by MLS and Liga Mekis. It's essentially the American All Stars from MLS versus the Liga Mekis All Stars that are Mexican. And the game is completely worthless. This game is more worthless than USA versus Grenada that we just played. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll just put it this way, just so no one think it's just me being too negative. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to watch it. And it's going to be fun to beat Mexico, hopefully, once again, if we do. But we're most likely not going to learn anything for it. It's really just for entertainment at this point. Nothing more, nothing less, in my opinion. So it's called the Allstate Continental Classico, okay, mm-hmm. which is a new annual event. This is according to U.S. Soccer. A new annual event that will feature the USMNT, actually not the USMNT, American players in MLS, because let's face it, the USMNT players play in Europe, hosting a top-tier opponent from North, Central, or South America. So we've basically added another Camp Cupcake to the schedule, all right? Camp Cupcake can have value, in my opinion. It can have value because it can bring it can give opportunities to interesting U20 or U23 players combined with maybe one or two other guys who still have value as players in CONCACAF, but that's about it. I mean, the vast majority of our player pool plays in Europe. That is only going to continue every year that goes by. You have three, four, five guys moving to Europe. It's just that pool is going to get bigger and bigger until by the time it gets 2026, there's not going to be any MLS players on the roster. So it's not, I don't think, I don't think it's fair to call it the U.S. men's national team. It's like our C team, our domestic American players who happen to play in the U.S., put on the USMNT jersey and play a game. But it's still a game against Mexico. It's still fun. And we're going to talk about the roster for this game. Who would we like to see as well as who we think Anthony Hudson might call up for this game? And Tack, I was going through it. There's some interesting options that we should look at, but it's slim pickings. Mm-hmm. I'll add one thing. Uh, I think it's going to be a small roster because they're pretty much going to get together and play. So I'm assuming it's just going to be an 18-man roster. Okay. That a safe, that's probably a safe assumption, right? Because why would he call up, for example, a third goalkeeper? Just to take him away from his club doesn't make sense. So I'm going to guess that it's a 18-man roster, and we can go – they're probably going to have, I'd say, two goalkeepers. Who probably would you like three, to see for goalkeepers? Three, four uh, goalkeepers. I mean, Roman Celentano for sure. The young goalkeeper, probably. I, I don't think we. You can bring Sean Johnson to be the backup. I guess I don't think that would matter. Yeah, um, I wouldn't take uh, for this particular camp unless Gaga was going to play. I wouldn't bring him because it's pointless to come all the way across the ocean um, for a few days to just sit on the bench for a game. I would really like to see Roman Celentano get that game. He's been performing well to start the season with Cincinnati. He didn't get a chance in January because we had to give Sean Johnson another chance. Remember, Celentano is is Olympic eligible. And this these are the kind of games that this should be useful for. Getting a look at guys that can help us next year in the Olympics and giving them opportunities. Not giving another camp yet more useless caps to a guy who's been involved, you know, on the fringes of the roster for years, but has never really been USMNT level, right? I'm sure we're going to see a lot of those guys, but I would like to see Roman Celentano as the number one, and then Sean Johnson can be the backup. Yeah, I'm fine with those. Sean Johnson can be the backup there, but it's probably going to be but Sean more Johnson. More likely than not, Johnson's going to start, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. No doubt. No doubt. Sean Johnson's starting for that one. Uh, fullbacks. So based on the 18-man roster, he's going to bring two goalkeepers, three fullbacks, three center backs, five midfielders, three wingers, and two center forwards. So three fullbacks. Um, I would say this, I'll definitely bring John Tolkien and Dehuan Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Tolkien, I'm not as high on either of these guys as some people are, but for our MLS prospects, these are the guys we have. 
right? Yeah. I mean, Caleb Wiley, you could make an argument that you could give him this game, call him in. But I think right now the key with Atlanta is trying to get them to release him for the under-20 World Cup. So yeah. I would go to Atlanta and say, listen, we won't call up Caleb, right? Yes, they don't have a game. that it's. By the way, it's the 19th of April, not the 17th um, in Glendale, Arizona. But I would say we need him for the under-20 World Cup, so we're going to leave him here at home with you. And we'll call up John Tolkien and, D- and uh, Dewan Jones for right backs. I was looking through the pool of right backs. There aren't many options. I would probably call DeAndre Yedlin over Shaq Moore. Simply because... So I was going to I was gonna pull something a little odd here. And I was going to say, is there any chance we could maybe get Dest released? It's possible. He didn't even make Milan the bench race in Milan. Like, he's not at all. That's true. I mean, I would is love there, that. But yeah. is there intention to bring the best possible players that will get released? Or is it just to showcase MLS players? Because I don't think they're going to call in Dest. Yeah. No, I'm just saying what I would want to. I would try to release yeah. Dest. It's like, dude, you're not playing. Want to come here? Get. I'll give you full 90 against Mexico. Yeah. Um, but, but again, yeah, let's be realistic. Being realistic, he's probably going to call Yedlin or more. Yeah. Another well, actually, alternative, if you want to look at a young guy, is Nathan Harriel from the Philadelphia Union, 21-year-old right back who's been getting regular minutes for them. Give him a you chance. You don't want Michael Holiday? You don't want Michael no, Holiday? No, thanks. I don't want Michael <laughs> Holiday, and I don't want – who's the Vancouver guy who came into the last camp? Uh, Julian Gressel. Uh, Gressel. I don't want Gressel, man. No. Thank you. I'd rather have Shaq more than Gressel <laughs> at this point. So probably – yeah. I would say – I would probably – like. Cutting out Dest, assuming he wouldn't be able to make it, I would just put probably John Tolkien, Dehuan Jones, and like Yedlin. I prefer Yedlin over more. Same, same. So, Plus, he gives some experience for he's faced Mexico many times. Um, yeah. It would be a good experienced guy to have around. But I agree with you. Dest would be the ultimate. What about a Justin Che? He Same seems more like the U20 guy, right? But I yeah. mean, I. More of like the U20 World Cup. Sure, you can bring it. He's not better than any of these three, though. That's for sure. No, he's not. But he's a young guy who might be better in the future, right? So that's kind of, for me, is give him, giving young guys opportunities and just seeing how they hold up. Yeah, but yeah, I think very likely DeAndre Yedlin should start that game. If we're going to go with starting, probably I would like to see Dewan Jones on the left. Mm-hmm. Just see how he does at left back. Because we still have needs to have a backup for Anthony at left back, Anthony Robinson. Yeah. Uh, center backs. So assuming he brings three on this 18-man roster, I mean, we can say what we would want, but we can also go right away what he'll do. I, I, look, I want to give Anthony Hudson the benefit of the doubt because he has surprised us. He hasn't been yeah. very Burhalter-like. No. Uh, I, I think it's safe to assume that he's going to bring Walker Zimmerman, mm-hmm. right? He kind of said Miles wasn't going to be there, right? No. So no Miles. Um, I would like for him to bring Matt Miazga. Uh, I'm not sure if that'll happen, but I'd like to see. Maybe he will. I don't think he needs to bring Aaron Long. But he will. <laughs> He's not even playing, right, for LAFC, is he? He is playing now. He starts he with Chiellini now <clears throat> at the back. But okay. Long is who he is at this point. Again, it's like, what is the point of this camp? Are you just trying to hype up these mid-MLS lifers? Or are you trying to look at future opportunities? If you're going to do that, I would say start James Sands with Walker Zimmerman. That, that's what I would do, right? Or even Matt Miazga, it's sort of the same. For me now, Miazga is the same level as Long or Zimmerman. Playing in MLS sometimes has good games. 
is fine. It's not really in the big pool going forward, in my opinion. So if you're going to do that, just give James Sands a run. Don't call up Henry Kessler, for example, who like oh, people, some people say, oh, she bring in Henry Somebody messaged me last week and they wanted to get Tim Parker in from St. Louis. Guys, these are all the same level guys. MLS lifers who's, who've never been good enough to get out of MLS, right? And are not really in the national team pool. So you might as well look at young players, right? Heck, call up Jalen Neal. Honestly, Jalen Neal starting for the LA Galaxy. Play Jalen Neal and Walker Zimmerman like you did in the first game against Columbia in January camp. Honestly, that, that would be my call. I don't know if the Galaxy would release him if we're trying to get him for the under-20 World Cup, but give Jalen Neal another opportunity. See how he does against Mexico. Why not? Like, I don't care about the result of this game as much as I care about breeding the next generation. Yeah, but you can't forget how how heavy we can banter if we beat Mexico. <laughs> I mean, sure, banter's fun. I'm just tired of seeing the same old guys from the Burhalter era keep getting opportunities when they don't deserve it, you know? Yeah. What about midfield? Five midfielders. Uh, I think it's safe to assume he's going to bring Acosta. Yeah. He's going to bring... I would I'm bring Aiden Norris. As, as I think he's going to bring Roldan. Roldan will be back. Roldan will be there. Acosta will be there for sure. So those guys we know for sure. I think Aiden Morris deserves a look. Another one. I know he didn't do so well in January camp. But he's had a very strong start to the MLS season. And it's still a position of need. For us. I think he's going to bring Williamson. Williamson is probably fair. Um, Do you think he brings Paxton Palmacall back? He wasn't very good in January camp. I hope not. I hope not, but you never know. Um, Honestly, bring um, Timothy Tillman from LAFC. There's another guy who deserves a look. Yeah, probably bring Tim Tillman in. Uh, trying to think. So Acosta, Rodon, Tim Tillman. Um, trying to see if I didn't forget Eric Williamson. I think he'll be there because we've heard that name involved before. That's four. Then you said Aiden Morris could be a number five there. I'm trying to think if I'm missing it. He's not going to bring out. Some people are asking for Keaton Parks. I'm not a big Keaton Parks fan. So I wouldn't love that, to be honest. No, I I don't think there's any need to bring Keaton Parks. Uh, Another option is if you want to put Sands at the six, you could bring Sands um, into the midfield option here for this camp. Um, It's tough. The options aren't that great, right? Like everyone left. Mihailovic left MLS. um, Even young players. This is what I mean. Our pool goes abroad as soon as they're any good. So when you're trying to put together these camp cupcake rosters, it's all the same old guys and U20 guys. And U20 guys will be hard to get them released if they're not, you know, if you want to get them released for the under-20 World Cup. I think that's it, actually, for them. We can go to the wingers. Those are the midfielders. Pretty um, much, yeah. So for wingers, it would be three wingers. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to bring Ariola, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to have to bring Paul Riola. Uh, my question is Zendejas, if he's going to be released or not. I'm assuming I doubt he he's going to bring Zendejas if he brought him last time. True, you might be right. So Zendejas won't. So Paul Riola will be one. Uh, Does Jordan Morris get called up as a winger or as a forward? Because he'll definitely forward. be there. I think forward, right? Isn't that what he's playing? Oh, actually, he might come in as a winger because up top, as a forward, I think he's going to bring Jesus and Brendan Vasquez. Yeah, I think so too. Although, to be honest, I'd rather see Morris as a nine against Mexico, especially if you're playing in transition. Let Morris use his speed, explosiveness, finish chances. 
I talked about this on the stream yesterday. He's a better finisher than Jesus is for sure. Uh, yeah, he's proving that again. I'm trying to see here. Um, I'm Nico Giolacchini is another guy has two goals and one assist so far in MLS. About the same goal production as Jesus Ferreira. I'm trying to remember winger options. Giolacchini, the game I watched for St. Louis, he wasn't that great. No, but none, uh, of, none of them are that great. That's what I'm like trying to say. It's like, well, maybe you could bring Ted Duki Pietro. Has had a very strong start to the season for DC United. Still just 21 years old. Has looked pretty good for DC to start the season, even if I don't think he's got a super high ceiling. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to look here to see if we didn't forget any names here uh, for the winger position. And the more I look into it, there really aren't that... Oh, what about if we brought in Conrad de la Fuente? Yeah, we could do that. Anybody who's not playing in Europe could certainly give them a look. He's not playing. Um... He's not gonna like we can't bring guys like Tanner Testman and General Cabuso because they're actually playing for Venezia. They're not gonna be released. But Conrad de la Fuente doesn't really have a club, so I guess that could be an option uh, if we really wanted to. I would I would probably put Conrad de la Fuente, and he maybe he's like the surprise of this camp, right? Maybe when we look into the roster, he'll be like one of the surprises of this camp. Just bring in um, Conrad de la Fuente. Yeah, put him in the reaction. put him in the shopping window. I think that's all, dude. I've I I looking I'm looking here at names. There's really no other names that really are exciting. Tyler or they Boyd. Are. Who? Tyler Boyd. Uh, LA Galaxy winger. I mean, it's the same level as Morris and Ariola, in my opinion. Morris and Ariola might be better, actually. So I'll probably I'll probably just like up top, Jesus and Vasquez. Wingers, Ariola, Morris, and Conrad. And if you have Ariola and Conrad starting, you can even try Morris up top uh, against Mexico. But it'd be yeah. nice to see maybe give Conrad some minutes, just bring him in. He's not doing anything as far as we know. So yeah. just throw him out there, see oh, what's up. Oh, but Richie Ledesma for the midfield. Now that he's in New York, mm -hmm. you can call him up. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he hasn't earned it, that's for sure. It'd be more just like to try to see how yeah, what's but, up. He's also like earned what like what how many of these guys have earned it with their usmnt performances no i'm like, just saying he doesn't Denver? even play for his clubs even he was on the bench also for new york yeah but he came on and looked very in my opinion i watched that game i thought he looked pretty good coming off the bench in terms of having a technical presence in the attack he's not u20 eligible you could call him up why not i mean i'd rather honestly i'd rather give richie ledesma 90 minutes because we know that there's still potential there, then just run Roldan out for another 90 minutes. I mean, what is the point of that? Ledesma can actually help us in the Olympics, right? Give him a shot. Give him a chance. I mean, how many guys earned that January camp call-up? You know what I mean? Like yeah, I mean, it's what we want, but I think Anthony Hudson's going to try to win the game because of his, like, he's trying to, like, leave a legacy. Like, I beat Mexico. I did this. I did that. I think... At is the end Christian Roldan and Aaron Long going to beat Mexico, though? I would say no. Um, yeah, so it's like, at this point, <laughs> I don't know. I just think you might as well give it to the young guys. Some of them, yeah, of course. You still want to play guys like Walker Zimmerman, probably. Yeah, Kellen Acosta. Mm. The guys who still have value, I understand. Like They still yeah. have value in CONCACAF, at least. So I understand those guys. Yedlin has value in CONCACAF. But beyond that, 
just give it to the youth. That's that's my instinct. Or use it to try something different. Try Jordan Morris as a nine. Maybe he could be a nine in the gold cup. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. interesting positions like that. Get Conrad some minutes. Give Guest some minutes. Give Dewan Jones 90 minutes at left back. That's what I think this is useful for. It, that Don't make it just an exhibition game. Make it we're trying to solve some problems in certain positions, and we think this guy might be able to help us. That's kind of how I see it. But I don't know if Anthony Hudson sees it that way. Yeah, we'll see the roster next week, and we'll find out more, and we'll cover the game. Uh, as we said, the game is meaningless, but it'll be fun. It's a USA-Mexico. It'll be fun to watch along. Uh, anything else, Pete, before we wrap things up? Nope, I think that's it. We'll cover this game like we do all the other games with a live watch-along and a post-game for sure. So, All right. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Drop a review if you'd like. That's all. We're out.